Welcome to the Picky Girl Travels podcast, the show for Black women who want more out of life and to live it on their own terms. I'm Adelia Borishade of the blog Picky Girl Travels the World, which is where I have been sharing my life since I decided that I wanted more out of it and would not settle for less. Welcome to the first episode of the Picky Girl Travels podcast for 2021. Uh, I know I promised y'all that we were back on track after uh, the surprise hiatus, uh, but all I can do is blame it on 2020. I am glad that you're back with me and ready to take on the new year. Uh, So let's talk about our episode today. Lots of people dream of traveling the world as a nomad, but you know, like how does that exactly work? My guest today, Tadra Payne, has been living this way for the last few years. And one of the things I especially enjoy about Tadra's story is how uh, she's been able to build a life that she loves while keeping it really, really simple and uncomplicated. Now, I see that, are you originally from the East Coast? Yes. Well, I was born in Georgia, and then we moved when I was a baby to the New York, New Jersey area, so. Okay, because that's what I was going to say. I see your career started on the East Coast, Mm -hmm. and you eventually ended up in L.A. um, doing what most people in L.A. do, a little bit of acting, (laughs) And uh, you worked as a makeup artist, you're an author, and uh, you did some freelancing. Work was when I was a celebrity makeup artist, and that was the bulk of my career. I did that for almost 10 years. It was amazing, actually. Um, I've had some um, emotional trauma because I gave it up because I gave it up to get married, which did not last. And um, it was just, it was a phenomenal career. I, I felt very blessed that God kind of just dropped that in my lap. It was, it was awesome for the time that I did it. Um, I'm HSP, a highly sensitive person. It's like a brain change kind of thing. And I didn't realize that for much of my life. And um, it affected like me not being able to do like office jobs and things like that. But I didn't know that at the time. And so things where I can use my creativity, I can do something and then I can go home and don't take it with me. They wash it off and then I do it again another day. That is so ideal for how my brain works. So it was really perfect. It was a great career. (laughs) When you moved to LA, you didn't do makeup still then? No, um, the LA market, it's interesting. New York is a very specific kind of market if you're a makeup artist and it's phenomenal. It's paradise because all the magazines are there. Um, A lot of celebrities there, obviously a lot more in LA, but the way it works is you get an agent in New York City and that agent like works you and it's amazing and you make great money. I worked two days a week um, and I made almost six figures, you know? Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. You go to LA, nobody wants to pay you. Um, celebrities think that they should get their makeup done for free because you could put that on your resume and it looks good. It's crazy. Like I got there and I was really shocked. 
at the disrespect for artists in general in LA, nobody wants to pay you for anything. And it's always the same rhetoric. Oh, but this is going to be so great for you. You'll get exposure. And New York's not like that. New York's like, how much do you need to make, you know, or this is the going rate or whatever, you know, um, I had jobs where I made $2,500 in an hour in New York City, and that's never going to happen in LA. <laughs> Just never going to happen. Not for makeup anyway. <laughs> wow. That, I, I can imagine that is quite the shock. Mm -hmm. Definitely. <laughs> and so you moved to LA. You were, um, you were doing some writing, some freelancing, mm -hmm. tiny bit of acting. I saw a little video of you on the internet. Mm, which one? Eleven Eleven. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was a, a short that I did. Yeah, yeah. You're living in LA. You're doing the things. What in in 2018 you made a big switch. You you left LA um, to to travel to to travel full time. Yeah. How did you arrive at that decision? You know, <laughs> I was saying this to my partner earlier today. Some of it was an arrival and some of it was a kick out of the nest. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I had been really sick in LA and I never had any health problems at all. And suddenly some friends came to visit me from the East Coast and um, I was in my living room. I was trying to, you know, connect and catch up with my friends and I'm talking and I'm hearing the words that come out of my mouth aren't what I'm saying in my head and all of my words were jumbled and crazy and I was like and I just started crying like I burst out crying and I'm still trying to talk and it's just sounding I don't know like something from Star Trek and I'm like what's going on and they started screaming and my partner literally lifted me up and took me to a hospital and they said that I had something called a complicated migraine and it affects speech and um, they thought I was having like a heart I mean um, like uh, a stroke a stroke yes thank you they thought I was having a stroke at first thankfully I was not but it's stress induced mm. um, and I realized how stressed I was in LA how I didn't feel like I was able to acquire my dreams there, um, being a black woman, uh, being an older black woman, getting auditions, being told that I was the best person in the room, but we're not going to go black with this. And I have this whole system inside of me, which I shouldn't at this age, right? I should know better that if you're the best at something or even like freaking amazing at it, maybe not the best, You that means it should be yours. And that's not the system in LA. And so it was causing me undue stress. And I decided, you know, we were going to just kind of step back at some point, quote unquote, and figure something out. And um, then I lost my two big clients for copywriting, which is what I was doing to afford myself to go on auditions and stuff. And then my partner lost his contract with the art school where he was teaching. I tell you no lie within like a week and a half of each other. And we were like, okay. So we were like, what if we lean into this and figure out a way to actually do this travel thing? And we said we should test drive it. So we were like, okay, let's do a road trip in the States for three months, right? Well, actually we didn't have a time frame. We were like, let's just try it and see what happens. 
but we didn't have any money. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't have any income. We didn't have work. And so we were like, ha, how's this going to work? You know? And um, I had been house sitting before um, and I, I had some luxury house sitting clients, some directors and stuff in LA. And I was like, let's take this on the road. Uh, talked to our landlady and our building manager and they said, why don't you Airbnb your apartment? I was shocked. Absolutely. Wow. I am shocked. I know. I was like, really? Because I said, can we get someone to sublease, you know, which would at least cover the rent? And they were like, okay, but what will you do for money, money? And I was like, I don't know. We'll figure that out. And they were like, why don't you just Airbnb? And we were like, why? So we literally had like two weeks to get all of this together because we did get a house sitting uh, request. And so we we did this whole thing with our apartment where we just like tricked it out technology wise so that I could let people in the house with their cell phone and then I could lock it from anywhere in the world. I could see when they went in and out of my apartment, like everything's. Oh, wow. It's wonderful. <laughs> uh, we did that and, and each person would get their own code. So you know, once they're, um, they, they're, they were done in our apartment, they couldn't get back in. Uh, and so then we had to hire a housekeeper slash manager, which we found someone amazing, thanks to my neighbors. And so we pulled this all together in two weeks, hopped in our little car and just went to our first house sit and then just lined them up one after another after that and put on Facebook that we were doing it. And then people started contacting us and saying, hey, we want to go on vacation for two weeks. Can you come and watch our house and our cat? And that was it. We did it for three months all over the, the West Coast. We started in LA, went all the way up West, ended up in Canada, and just took it every week or two at a time. And it was phenomenal. And we made more money than when we were working from our oh. little apartment in LA. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm just sitting here with my mouth hanging open because one, it seems very much like everything in the universe just lined up. Like this is what y'all were supposed to do and when you were supposed to do it. And yep. then to be able to pull that together in two weeks. I know. I, yeah. My mother's like, you're crazy. <laughs> and you made more money than when you were working. Like, wow. <laughs> Um, my, my rent on the apartment was paid in one week, um, of renting it. And then the other three weeks were hours. And the landlady was like, I don't, I don't want anything additional. I just want the rent money. Um, you had a very nice landlady. Yes, we so did. And, um, our apartment was teeny, teeny, but it was tricked out. Like, I'm like, if I can't afford a big place, I'm going to afford a dwell looking apartment. <laughs> right? So it was tricked out and it was in the, one of the best neighborhoods in LA. So I had to sort of choose we didn't have the money for a big sprawling apartment and a great neighborhood. So that was the compromise. And yet people loved it. They loved how it was decorated and they loved that we were in a walkable neighborhood, which is very rare in LA, you know, and there were restaurants and everything that you could go to. So it did really well for us. And that trip changed us. Like when we came back, we were like, we can't fit into a stationary life anymore. You know, and we were just like, okay, if we got our answer, let's do this. And we started planning to leave the United States. That answers my next question, which was, why did you choose full-time travel and not like, oh, I need a change in my life. Let me just relocate to another city. You know, um, part of it was the election. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. We were just like really 
disappointed in America when Trump won. And we had been seeing a lot of things that we did not like about, uh, I guess, about 40% of America. <laughs> I'm not sure what the percentages are exactly. But Too many. Thank you. Especially the second time around. I was like, I could give you the, a pass the first time because maybe you weren't paying attention and you, you stumbled and voted for this idiot. But the second time around, no, you knew what you were doing, you know? So we just was like, but this was still, of course, during the first time around. And we were just like, is there somewhere else where we will fit better? And we didn't know. Like I had traveled, but I had traveled as a vacationer. And that's not the same thing, you know? Um, you have a different mindset. You have a different purpose. You are staying in hotels. And it's just a, such a different thing. So we were like, we need to be able to slow travel. And that is my heart, slow travel. Let's spend a month, two months, three months, six months in a place. Let's be in house Let's have neighbors and friends and a cat and let's house it and let's just see what this feels like. And so we started doing that. You know, we started with um, a one-way ticket to Sweden and then we did Finland and Estonia and we just kept going and we were like, we kind of check in, like, how did you feel? Did you love this? Did you, what, you know, and we're an interracial couple. So for us, we were also like, did we both feel welcomed and so yeah, it's been an interesting journey. It's been 14 countries now. Oh, wow. Um, you, you said something that clicked with me about where, where could you fit better? Because I left the U.S. I had been planning to leave um, prior to the 2016 election, but that was a big thing for me. One, I wanted to be able to afford healthcare and not go bankrupt. Yeah. Um, the other one was... I needed, I did not fit. My values, my ideals just did not fit with where American society was. And so I was looking for a place that, that was, that made more sense for me. So I get that. Okay. So you come back from this little test drive and you're like, okay, we, we can't go back to what we were doing. How do you prepare for basically just I don't want to say throwing out your life, but in essence, that's kind of what you did because you're going from, or you went from the typical American lifestyle, you know, you live in one place, you have a job, blah, 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 to now you are just going to kind of full-time travel and just see where the wind takes you. How do you, how do you prepare for something like that? You know, I think for us, we needed less preparation than many people would because we've always been kind of scrappy. Um, my partner is a professional photographer and he's done that his whole life. Um, there were moments for both of us where we owned homes. Like I owned a house with my ex-husband and he, um, Paul owned his own house. And But it was it wasn't like our whole existence. Like it was like, you know, seven years out of our life. And then we were kind of like doing something else. We were moving to LA or we were, you know. Um, so for us, we've always been freelancers for the majority of our lives. We've always been people that have been like, mm, this doesn't feel good. What else could I do? <laughs> Which drives a lot of people crazy. My sister is very stationary and very like risk averse. And so for her, she looks at me and she's like, you're a nutcase. You know? <laughs> it feels very natural to me. 
So it wasn't that hard. Um, it was more about the logistics of, okay, we got to sell our stuff and, you know, that kind of thing. And we, mind you, we still didn't have jobs. So we were like, we're going to give up this apartment and then we won't have money, you know? And um, so that was something that I had to address because I was just like, hmm, I believe, as you said, the universe is lining this up for us. And so we literally started selling off our stuff. We gave notice in our apartment and we did not have income. And it was a little bit scary. Uh, and I was interviewing to do anything that was legal. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a person that cares about the title of my career. Like I don't get my identity from that. So that's very freeing for me. I, I've often teased that as long as it's legal and I can stay vertical, I'm good, you know? <laughs> so um, I, I just started, you know, interviewing for all kinds of things that I thought I could probably learn how to do that. <laughs> right. So I ended up interviewing for a job that I found on Facebook that was put on a, a message board, I mean, a group, and it was an accident. She didn't mean to put it there. And it was for um, a manager for uh, a man who had a whole stream of vacation properties, which was perfect for us, you know, and he was pulling in $100,000 a month from his vacation rentals. And he wanted someone to manage those. And so I reached out, we had an interview, he found out I was going to be traveling and he said, no, you can't have this job. And I said, okay, fine. And that was that. And no lie, we were a week out and we were just like, shit, 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 shit. Right. And his wife called me and said, we hired someone else and she's a complete idiot. And she was like, I don't care where you are in the world as long as you do the job. And I was like, bet. And I took that job. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So we had that a week before we left. And then my, my boyfriend is absolute genius with very detail oriented stuff that makes me want to pull my hair out. So he taught himself how to code. And so he started getting web design clients. Well, not so much design, I guess, web development clients. And so then that started bringing in a little bit of money with that. And so we were like, well, with house sitting, we don't need a lot of money. So we just took the leap and we felt really good about it, you know? Well, I think you hit on something that is important to explore a little bit is that because you said y'all's careers up until this point had involved a lot of freelancing. And when you do that kind of work, you kind of have to be, I don't want to say flexible, adaptable, you know, like there can be this client that doesn't pay you on time. So you've got to be able to adjust and pivot or, you know, I'm stumbling over my words here, but basically um, it's training ground. It is because you're developing a lot of the skills that you're going to need or to be able to handle, not even just the skills to do the work, but sort of the, the mental skills and capacity mm -hmm, to handle like, when things don't go right or when this is a little weird or whatever. So yeah, I can definitely see how y'all were in a much, a much different situation um, than somebody who let's say had a typical nine to five, not to say that you can't make this transition from a typical nine to five, but you know, doing it in a matter of weeks, <laughs> y'all had an advantage there. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, we are scrappy, we're resourceful, and we have a really high threshold for risk. 
you know? Yeah. Um, someone once said to me, you know, like, oh, you're so brave. And I, I always say that there is a very thin line between bravery and stupidity. It's, <laughs> yeah. and, and I own that. Uh, but I think it is more about like, what do I do when things don't go the way they're supposed to? Like, mm -hmm. do you freak out? Do you panic? How do you, how do you process that? And I can see that y'all have that as well because of how you were living your life previously. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think, you think you just, y'all would have still gone had the job not come through that, that week before you left? Yes, because we had no choice. <laughs> I mean, we had given up our apartment. People were fist fighting for our apartment. And um, we finally, you know, talked to the landlord and was like, hey, why don't we give it to this friend um, who already lived in the building but wanted our place instead? Um, and so, like, she was already, like, you know, coming up there, knocking on the door, her tape measure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was a done deal. We did not have a place to live. Um, and we had sold 99% of our stuff. Um, so yeah, we needed to get on that plane. Oh, I should say though, we, um, we started, when we left LA, we did another month in the United States. So we went to Arizona because we had this client that was a billionaire that was like, hey, you want to come and stay in our place for a while while we vacation? We were like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So we did that. And, and I had never even been to Arizona and it was phenomenally beautiful. I had no idea. Um, and then we went to Chicago for a while because we had a client that was in this amazing high rise, like right where all the stores are and stuff. Um, not Miracle Mile. I always want to say that. Magnificent Mile. So that was kind of cool. So we just did that for fun, you know, and then we went on to Sweden. I would be, I'm sure somebody listening to this is like, okay, how are they getting the super rich clients? Are, is this because of your connections to, I mean, like being in LA and being around Hollywood and that sort of thing? No, um, I have been house sitting, gosh, long before all of this. Um, it, it was something that fell into my lap when I was going through a divorce and we were sharing, still sharing, you know, our home and it was tense and horrible and tears and out of the blue was like, hey, she didn't know what was going on. She contacted me and said, my parents are going to India for three months and they have a little chihuahua and they need somebody to stay in their home uh, on the river and watch their little chihuahua. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I just wanted to get out of the house, you know, he was like, great. And that snowballed. And then like they told their friends and it was kind of like the caliber of people all know each other. And then I started making my own connections and using some of the, the house sitting sites. And, you know, my credentials were such that people who would be afraid to have other like un inexperienced people come in their home and they have, you know, $500,000 worth of art on the walls, or they have, you know, and they, they're like, I want someone who's not going to have a party in my house. They're not going to snoop through my stuff. They're not going to, you know, because some of these people are super high profile. Um, I also have a very detailed contract that is mine that I created. Um, so like, I just got into that sort of environment, which was really great. I've only had two bad house sitting uh, experiences in 15 years. So 
How did your circle react to your decision that you were just going to become a nomad? My circle knows my craziness. So <laughs> I just got a lot of, oh, wow. Okay. That sounds cool. And stuff like that. Um, my sister was a little bit worried. My mother was a little bit worried, but again, they know me and they were like, well, at least you'll be with Paul. We, you know, like there'll be two of you out there being crazy together. Um, but then sometimes Paul and I travel separately. My family's not thrilled with that. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, we're together all the, all the, all the, all the time. And we love each other, but sometimes it's like, we're a dynamic duo. And so that means he has skills that I don't and vice versa. But when we go separate for a month to different countries, we have to develop those parts of ourselves, you know? So that means he gets lost for the whole time he's there <laughs> and I can't talk to anybody because <laughs> he's the person that picks up languages and words really fast. And I'm the person who's like, we did not come down that way. Let's go this way. <laughs> you know. I but think yeah. that is so cool that you y'all still solo travel, even though you're living as nomads. Um, it just goes to show you that there really are no rules and you can create the rules to fit you and to fit your lifestyle. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, most people just thought it was really cool that we were going to do it. And as you said, people said things like, oh, you're so brave. You know, um, we didn't feel brave. We just kind of felt like everything lined up and it just made the most sense for us. Why did you pick Sweden first? <laughs> um, actually, um, what happened was we had a house sit in Finland for five weeks, right? But it was going to start a week after we wanted to be on a plane, we wanted to leave the U.S. And so we just thought, well, what's nearby that we could see that would be kind of cool? And when I was very young in New York City, just starting as a makeup artist, um, I worked for Face Stockholm, which is a makeup brand, and they were wonderful to me. They helped launch part of my career, and it was wonderful. And they always talked about Sweden because they were from Sweden, and they came to America to open these stores. And I was like, let's go to Sweden. It's close by. Let's go to Sweden. So we did. We, it was just a week in Sweden, and we ended up meeting some really cool people. Um, we stayed with someone <laughs> because our Airbnb fell through and it was, it was, it was an initiation. Like we were just like, wow, is it all going to be this difficult? <laughs> but um, it was fun too. We loved it. And then we, it was just a week. We went on to Finland for five weeks in the house that we had lined up. So we've talked about the fact that you, y'all are a nomadic couple who periodically travels individually and your partner is not black. Um, I don't want to say, well, has that been an issue? Because that's a weird way to phrase it, but we know that traveling while black is a real thing. Absolutely. Okay. So I guess the root of my question is, have you had any of those moments in the last, in, since y'all have been doing this, which has been about, what, two years? Um, it'll be three years in a couple of months, actually. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe for me, I'm a little bit um, oblivious at times. I can recognize racism and even microaggressions in the United States. Traveling sometimes, it's like, I don't, I don't know if someone is kind of nasty 
which has been very, very rare. I don't know if it's race related. I don't know if it's America related because sometimes people don't like Americans. Um, and it, it, can, it can be just their culture and how they interact with me or him. And, and we think it's rude, but they don't. So it's, you know, it's, there's, there hasn't been anything that's just stood out that I've been like, oh, damn, okay, nothing like that. Um, I've had times when people have given, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Customs in Germany. I wanted to snatch that girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we, were, we weren't even going to Germany. I need to state that we weren't going to Germany. We had to go through Germany to get to Croatia, right? We were going to Croatia, which we loved. Um, so it was just a checkpoint, which we thought was kind of weird anyway, but okay. So we get to the airport, we're racing to get to our connecting flight to get into Croatia. And there's this big old thing set up where you have to go and show your passport again. I'm like, why? We're not staying in Germany. So sometimes they don't let us go up together. I don't know what that's about. That could be a race thing where I'm just like, we're together. Why are you calling us up separately? And I see other families go up together, you know? So she was like, no, you must, you must come up separately. So I came up, I gave her my passport. And Chick was just taking me through all kinds of like jumping through hoops and asking me 400 questions. And, and finally I said, you realize I'm not coming to Germany. I need to walk through that door right there so I can catch my flight to Croatia. I'm not even coming to Germany. She's like, well, this wasn't stamped and how come you're so long in da 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 da. And I, I find sometimes customs people um, and TSA can be what looks like jealous. Like why are there all these stamps for like a year straight on your passport? Why are you like, and maybe it's how do you, like, this black woman have all this money because people think it takes gobs of money to travel. I don't know. But she was giving me a hard time. I, I was not. I was losing my patience fast. And Paul saw it and he stepped up to the window and kind of touched me like, honey. <laughs> right? And she said, oh, are you two together? And he's half German. German oh my gosh. You can tell that he's German, right? even though he's American. And she said, oh, are you two together? And he said, yes. And he pulled out his passport. She took it. She opened it, barely glanced at it, passed it back to him and said, okay. And like waved us through. And I was like, bitch, my passport just as blue as his passport. <laughs> like, so mad. <laughs> he just like trying to cover my mouth and drag me off. And I was so angry. I said, that's exactly what that was. That, that was an issue yeah. because you were black. Right. And I was just like, that, but that was the only time. Um, we've had really pleasant experiences inside all the countries we've visited. <laughs> what has it been like traveling as an interracial couple? Um, I think, you know, most of our, well, all of our adventures have been in either North America or Europe. We were actually talking about going to Asia and then Africa um, because we had some really great house sits lined up in Asia. Uh, and then the pandemic came. And I think we've only gotten a very small uh, window into that question because we've been in these predominantly white areas, right? And people have been very gracious and very kind to us and just really excited to ask us questions about America. Uh, some people have asked me, like, is it rude if I ask you questions about 
like things they see on the news, like Black Lives Matter, and are they protests or are they riots? Uh, what's up with your police? And, you know, and, but people have been kind of like, is that okay for me to ask you? I'm like, yes, please. Like, I want to educate people, you know? Um, so we've had a lot of that, you know, where Paul's just like, no one cares about my white experience in America, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but we've had that. But I think once we are somewhere where we both are other, we don't look like the Asian people around mm-hmm. us. That's going to be interesting. And then when we are in Africa and I look like the people around me to a certain extent, you know, of course we don't all look like, but um, he will definitely stand out. I think that'll round out how well we can answer that question. I, I kind of feel stupid having to even ask that question, but it's also naive of me to think that like that's that's not a question worth asking because I know that there are, I mean, my, my oldest daughter is in an interracial relationship and in the United States, they get stares and, you know, it's like, come on people, it's 2020. I don't, I don't even know what to say about it, but. We're in Albania, people stare at me because there are no black people. There no. Are no they they have no i imagine i have not been to albania yet but i imagine they have no frame of reference for you whatsoever right so people stare um some of the men flirt others just are like we don't know what to do some people ask me um where i'm from Uh, that's a big one with us traveling i get a lot of where are you from and just me, they don't care where he's from. <laughs> I, 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 I think I get a little bit of that in Mexico because I, I currently live in Mexico. And even though there are Afro-Mexicans, although they weren't officially recognized by the government as existing until like 2015, and you know, there are people of varying shades here, when... I open my mouth and it's obvious that I'm American and I look the way I look. It's, you know, it's kind of like, whoa, you know, what's, what's the story there? So yeah, I can, I can understand that they're curious as to where you're from. And because they're again, trying, trying to make sense with their knowledge and where do you fit in? What box can I put you in? Right. I get Africa. I do get America. I get Canada. And oddly enough, a couple of days ago at the market, there are so few people here that speak English, but this guy spoke English really, really well. And he said, are you from Montenegro? I was just like, I don't even know what to do with that. I was like, no, I'm not. You know, the, the pandemic obviously changed your life as a nomad significantly. But before that, um, I want you, I, I would like for you to talk about like, what was your life like as a nomad traveler um, prior to the pandemic? Like what, what, what did y'all do on any given day? What, what was life like? Help us understand that. Well, um, we did a combination of um, house sitting and Airbnbs. And so uh, it kind of depends on where we were, but we rarely, most, I'd say 90% of the time we were in houses. So what that was like was we were in these big, beautiful, amazing houses with cute little cats. We're both cat 
people. And um, so usually that was our ticket into uh, a home, into an agreement was they had a cat. So, you know, we moved into these homes, we negotiated um, everything, a car, bikes, uh, food, <laughs> sometimes access to the wine cellar, all kinds of cool things. And so we actually set up life, right, for us. Um, we set up life in these situations. And then we had a quote unquote home base for a month or three months or whatever it was. And then we would work sometimes during the day or during the evenings. That was the great part is that we could kind of make our own schedules when we wanted to work. And so we could wake up some days and be like, hey, you want to go explore this? You want to jump on the bikes and see what's that way? <laughs> you know? Um, and we just did what we felt like. It was beautiful. <laughs> That's awesome. And when you say work, he was doing like web development. You were doing what, uh, like freelance writing? No, I was still at first working for the company that um, wanted me to manage properties, right? So I had a team of people under me that were the ground team that, you know, cleaned the apartments and um, dealt with any complaints and things like that. But there were times when that was stressful because, you know, it, I was kind of on all the time. And so that was a little bit, but I wasn't on in the way that a nine to fiver would be on. It was like, oh, my phone's vibrating, you know, like I was a brain surgeon or something. <laughs> <laughs> so we're out, we're like on a boat and it's like, oh, damn it, you know, and my phone would vibrate and I'd have to put out a fire or something like that. So that was a little bit not fun. Um, and halfway into our adventures, I actually quit that job because it was very stressful. And there were some moral issues for me and how some things were being done. Um, and so then after that, yes, I was, I was writing. I was, you know, um, a friend convinced me to teach English online, which I was like, oh my God, that's such a cliche. <laughs> but I had been an English major and I love words and I love people. And it was a really good fit. And so I ended up just doing that. And I can also make my own hours. I can teach adults. You know, I don't, I'm not a kid person. So um, that was really cool. So it's just been, you know, I feel like we're just living life, period. It doesn't like people sometimes think it's going to feel like vacation all the time. It doesn't. And that's, that's part of why I wanted you to share your response is because I think for some people, it is hard to imagine what exactly that looks like. And like you said, traveling for vacation and traveling full-time slowly, that's, it's not the same thing. Some countries, we didn't even, you know, do that mad dash to see all the stuff that tourists see because we would like pedal up the bikes there and we'd be like, oh God, there's like 4,000, but never mind. We just <laughs> turn around and go to a cafe <laughs> or go like in the middle of the night or something because we just, we're not tourists and we don't want a tourist experience, you know? What is the best part about being a nomad? For me, it's satisfying that part of my brain or whatever it is that needs novelty, that needs expansion and personal growth. Like I, I don't, I'm sure people can have that being stationary. I can't. <laughs> so for me, it was like, I was just, I felt like, 
I, I won't say I can't, but I, it stops at a certain point. Like I feel like there's a ceiling and then I'm like, I need something else. I need something to challenge my view of the world, my view of myself. Um, I need to eat new foods. I need to, so for me, having all of that satisfied is just so rewarding. I love it so much. I, there's nothing like getting lost somewhere where you can't speak the language or read the signs and you're just like, shit, I gotta be really resourceful right now and I gotta calm down, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I love that. Okay, so then alternatively, what's, what is the worst part? Okay, po- uh, pre-pandemic? <laughs> yes, pre-pandemic. I guess loving a place and having to leave. Like, you know, you, you, for us being particularly in Europe, the singing zone is real, you know? So we have a calendar where we have to keep a track of our days. Like, oh, I've only been here. I've been here this long. I can't stay anymore. I have to, you know, leave all 26 countries in the singing zone. I can't go to any of the others and then come back if I want to or whatever. So just doing that juggle, um, was hard like I I was having a little bit of a meltdown in France because I loved it so much and I went to stay through Christmas and one of my friends came through with this obscure obscure law that allows Americans to stay in France an additional three months past Singen because of some treaty from 1945 this girl's awesome I was like no I can't you're getting me arrested I cannot stay (laughs) and I contacted the embassy and they were like oh yeah you can stay I was like oh so we stayed three more months through Christmas in France and it was wonderful did you have to get anything special on your passport nope they were like just they were like all you have to do is you cannot leave from a different singing zone country. You have to leave from France out of the zone. Because they were like, everybody at customs knows this rule for Americans. So just leave from France. Like fly out of France to wherever and, you're. And you'll be fine. Huh. Yeah, I know, right? Now, the pandemic mm-hmm. totally threw a wrench in your plans, as it did all of us. Um, you can't really be a, a nomad or travel full time during a pandemic. So you and your partner hunkered down in Albania. Yes. How has life changed? Because we just talked about like what it was like pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. What is what are your days looking like now? Well, okay, I should start by saying we didn't choosing albania was a pragmatic choice right like people have said have you got did you get stuck there or whatever i was like no 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 about two months before all the stuff hit like in november i started having such deep deep like impressions that we needed to stop house sitting and that didn't make sense for me because we didn't have a whole lot of money and house sitting is the way we get to live this extravagant life without a lot of money But it was like every day I woke up and that was there. And finally I said that to Paul and I said, I think we need to start thinking about paying for somewhere. And he was like, are you mad? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, and will we eat also? (laughs) You know? And I was like, no, seriously, it's just, it's so strong on me. And then when December came, students of mine in China started telling me about this virus and they were like, I think it's going to you know, start making its way other places. And I was like, oh God, right? So we were like, okay, let's find somewhere that we can go that's relatively cheap 
um, not far from where we were, you know, in France, and we could just get a ticket and we'll, we'll stay there for a couple of months and see what happens, right? <laughs> we were like, and we'll be near Greece and we'll be near Italy and that'll be cool because we could just hop on the ferry and go into, you know, one of those on the weekend. And so that was kind of it. We, we went online and we were like, oh, look, here's this little country called Albania. And we read some blogs and saw some pictures and we're like, cool. We bought tickets and flew out like two days later, right? We got here. Customs was just like, huh, you're American and you want to be in Albania? <laughs> so, um, you know, it was like we looked for an apartment. We looked at a lot of places in the city didn't really resonate with us and then finally we found this place which is way up north and I tell you the day we got off the very harrowing bus ride through the mountains uh, to get here the country went into lockdown we got off the bus and people were racing past us to grocery stores and we were like what's going on they were like lockdown so we were just like oh wow right so we went to a grocery store then we got a ride here from the landlord of this place and we got a four-bedroom, 2,500-square-foot house on two lake acres of land for $250 a month. <laughs> Please repeat that just in case somebody missed it. I know. Okay. We have four bedrooms, 2,500 square feet in this house, and it's newly renovated. It has all the furniture, towels, sheets, um, pots and pans, everything, because that's kind of common in Europe when you rent a place. It comes with all that stuff. And it's on like two acres of land and it's $250 a month. So that was a huge um, part of our decision. That was a huge part of our decision. Um, and we were like, wow, okay, yes, we can definitely afford that. Um, it has been difficult though. I won't lie. It's been difficult because we're in a poorer country. Um, I can't get a lot of things that I need. Um, simple things like hair products to, um, more important things, some medications and enzymes and things that I need because I developed, um, a histamine intolerance. I can't get that. And there are no, um, we don't have a post office. So the post office is a town away. We don't have a car. We bike everywhere. So we bike for two hours to get mail um, on a highway. <laughs> um, Amazon won't deliver here. None of the companies deliver here. So I have to order things in England, send to a friend who then comes out during the pandemic. This woman loves me. Pack, repackages it and sends it to me. And then I bike for two hours to get it. It's been no joke. Um, food variation doesn't exist um, unless you go to the city, which is two hours away from us. Um, so it's it's been a challenge. Um, we have snakes. We have scorpions in the house. We have, <laughs> we've just, it's been, yeah. So <laughs> we wish that we could have done this in France or Spain or somewhere, but Albania allows Americans to stay here for one full year without any kind of special visa. So that's why we chose it. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to process, like, because I've lived in a country that did not have a mail system at all. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. And so I'm, 
I'm, I'm sitting here processing like to get mail, you've got to ride your bike two hours each way, right? No, no, I'm sorry. Two okay, it's total. Yeah. Oh gosh. And how did y'all, how'd y'all find the house? Um, actually, and this is something I talk about a lot on my blog and, and I do um, one-on-one coaching and stuff, is telling people that, you know, connect on Facebook. There are all these expat groups and, you know, you can find anything in terms of based on country, based on uh, race, based on your family structure, based on, you know, and expats in wherever and just you know, ask people like, Hey, I'm looking for this. I'm arriving here. And, you know, and so this, <laughs> this woman who is now my friend, Kim, she just badgered the hell out of us. Like we were looking in the South and she just kept saying, you need to come up North. And I was like, I don't know you leave me alone. woman." <laughs> <laughs> she was sending me pictures of the house and they were trying to rent this house hard. And I was like, no, I don't want to be all the way up North. I want to be near Italy, Greece. Cause it's all sexy down here. And it didn't matter because we can't travel anyway, but you know, I didn't know that at the time. And it just, one day I just woke up after we had looked at so many places and it just didn't quite, there was always something not quite right. Even if they were gorgeous places, it was like, uh, we don't like where it's located or something. And I just said, you know what, let's just go up north. We can be on a farm and it sounds quiet and peaceful and all of that. You know, and so she, we talked to them on a Zoom call and then she did um, a video walkthrough for us because we were five hours away. No, we were seven hours away down, all the way down by the coast. So she did a video walkthrough so we could see the house. And then she took her, um, what are those things called? Um, When you use it outside to take pictures from way up high. A drone. Yes, she did drone footage of the area and stuff. And we were just like, it looks really, really peaceful. So we took it on the phone without even seeing it, you know. So that was that. <laughs> it has it has not been easy. It has had its challenges. Do you do you feel like uh we should have picked someplace else? Like maybe we should have gone to Georgia? Um, <laughs> it's funny you said that because that was our other option. Um, no, I think for needing one whole year, I think Albania was the best choice. Um, we had considered the UK, but the UK is six months and the cost of, of living is so much higher that we would have spent all our time working, you know? So, um, I think this was the best choice with what we were given to work with. Only because I'm, you know, y'all's big expense because the, the 250 for the house that includes like internet and everything, right? Um, no, that's rent. Um, rent internet is $15, I think, a month. Um, and then, um, let me think, all of our utilities and stuff is $50 a month, but that's a little bit shady situation, but we got, we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> Hey, it's uh, yeah. We could have electricity from that person across the way. <laughs> yeah, you know every. Well, I like to think of you know when things the universe tends to unfold as it should. Mm-hmm. So there were some lessons apparently y'all were supposed to learn, like you were supposed to learn how to use a Sith, and you know <laughs> exactly. 
how to you the the awareness skills you've had to develop because now you have to check the house and your shoes for scorpions you know life skills that will come in handy at some point exactly I think you and I are about the same age in American culture there are certain expectations uh, when you get to be our age, uh, you know, certain achievements, like mm-hmm. you're supposed to be married, you're supposed to have so many kids, certain milestones, you know, um, you know, are you on the path for retirement? How, how do you feel about living a life that doesn't really check most of those boxes? You know, <clears throat> I don't care. That's just the quick answer. I don't care. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I tried, I really tried to squeeze myself into that. And, you know, I had a horrific marriage. It was horrific by year two. And I stayed eight more years because I was stupid. Um, Hey, I stayed 20. So don't beat yourself up. I, I try to focus on, but I am here now. And I left early enough that I got a second chance. That's what I focus on. Amen. Yeah. So like I tried all that and, you know, I felt um, kind of bullied as too strong, were encouraged by the church to stay despite what was going on. And um, I, I take full responsibility that I should have still made my own choices and I didn't. Um, but now I just refuse. I refuse to let other people's boxes have any effect on what I choose. Amen. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've mentioned to you before that like that is the, uh, my own experience, um, you know, like trying to chart this path and live this life. I seen somebody saying, fuck it, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. Like when I was 25, maybe I wouldn't have stayed 20 years, you know? So I, I, that's one of the reasons I want to talk to you because I think that your story, your experience, somebody out there needs to hear this to know that, Hey, it is possible. You don't have to always try and contort yourself to live up to society's expectations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) If the pandemic was over, tomorrow what would your next move be uh portugal and we are trying to put that in place um because we have to leave here our visa is up uh the first of february and you know we have been struggling with it's a pandemic we should probably stay put should we throw ourselves at the mercy of the Albanian government and be like, can we stay longer? Even though we don't actually want to stay longer, but would that be the responsible thing to do? And then the owner of this house decided she wants to move back from Italy and have her house back. And she doesn't want to rent long-term anymore, blah, blah, blah. So we were like, well, if we have to uproot anyway, let's try and get in where we want to be, you know? Um, which is scary because the borders aren't technically open right now and we don't know, like we could get there and they could be like, no, but I'm going to do that, that like, you know, it was big pies, which has worked for me in the past, actually. (laughs) I did that in London. The guy was just like, I'm going to take you in the back and I'm going to shake you down and figure out why you always in London. I was like, so I'm like, I'm not, I'm not above crying at a border. So (laughs) Hey, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. So we're just hoping we can get into Portugal um, because we think that might be the place that we're going to call home, we think. If somebody wanted to follow your journey, maybe they're interested in a one-on-one coaching session or whatever, how would they how would they do that? How do they follow you? Where are you online? Well, I have my website, which um, I write on as a blog, and <laughs> this is a weird way to do it, I'll admit, but I'm actually right now kind of going back and putting my journal entries on there. Um, because while I was traveling, what I was doing was using my website to um, sell services and sell my coaching and my um, house sitting course and things like that, right? So I wasn't blogging as much. But now it's like really nice that I have all this time. I'm in one location. So I've been putting everything back up there and, or I should say up there, not back. Um, and that's travellivebreathe.com. And on there, there is a form uh, where you can put your name and email address and uh, get in contact with me. Okay. Well, thank you um, for taking some time to chat with me and to tell your story. I appreciate it. I really, really do. No, this was fun. Thank you for asking me. Is there a topic that you would really like to hear me dig into on the podcast? If so, let me know. You can reach out via social media. I am on Twitter at Picky Girl Travels, no I in girl. I am also on Facebook and Instagram, Picky Girl Travels, or you can leave a voicemail using the link in the show description. As always, thank you for your continued support of the podcast and the work that we're doing here. If you have not done so already, please subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to right now. Um, Another way that you can show your support is to leave a review. Or lastly, share the podcast with another woman you think might enjoy it or might benefit from it. Until next week.